When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's that lovely bit of uh, dialogue that I don't think I I noticed uh, on previous viewings where he says to him, "You don't want to miss your fight, Vincent," and he calls him by his real name. Oh, okay. And I, I just that just completely slipped me by. Dialogue in this is really good. There's sometimes where it could be a bit hokey, but as you say, the quality of the cast they really sort of do deliver. Welcome, everyone. This is the 71st episode of the Flix Watcher podcast. Hello, film fans. Joined today in our recording studio are Ben. Hi. George. Hello. And as always, me and Kobe. And we'll be reviewing the 1997 film Gattaca. Come find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod. Visit the website flixwatcher.tv for full listings and don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us an awesome review. So all films were available on Netflix at the time recording, guys. Just as a bit of a warning, there is some bad language and there will be spoilers. You have been warned. Hello and welcome to a Flix Watcher podcast. Uh, guests in the studio today are George and Ben. If you would like to say hello and introduce yourselves to our lovely listeners, please. Hi, uh, I'm George. I'm from the Retro Ramble uh, podcast, um, which uh, is a film uh, podcast that I do with my brother Charlie. And it's all about the, the films that we grew up with, um, whether they hold up today, why they are beloved classics, um, and some cases why they are still going on as, as franchises. So uh, lots of blockbusters and, and cult classics there. What? Uh, how? What's the age difference between you and your brother? Uh, there is four years. I am the younger. Okay. So he was one. Was he guiding you wisely through through film? Um, no, we kind of discovered them uh, together. A lot of the times, we. I mean, there's an ongoing joke throughout the podcast that we um, we watch a lot of films with our next door neighbours, uh, known as the Glenn Dennings, <laughs> and people have been saying that we need to get them on the show because we reference them so much. Um, I heard them reference there. But uh, yeah, they're they're, um, they're we're all living a bit apart, so I think it's going to be a logistical nightmare. But we've got a. Um, a John Claude Van Damme special coming up, which the uh, the Glenn Dinnings were very influential on us. They were big fans of JCVD, so we're going to try and get some audio bites of, of them involved. I just saw um, Steven Seagal at London Film and Comic Con recently, and it turns out he's really not a fan of uh, old well, John. Oh, they hate each other. Yeah, I think there's. I think Seagal hates John Claude Van Damme. What does John Claude Van Damme think of Seagal? Is he not just not bothered? Um, I don't know which way it goes either way. I, I imagine it's a mutual hatred. I'm, I imagine John Claude's a bit more of a dude. Yeah, I he's think, quite laid back. Isn't I think he? John Claude would probably not be even slightly yeah. asked. He's making money, of course. He'd just have like a cause he, beer. he probably realizes he's yeah. pissed off a lot of people over the years, but uh, yeah, he's all good now. 
Uh, did Seagal divulge why he hates John Paul um, I think he just kind of uh, gave the impression, it might not be a verbatim quote, that he was um, an overrated ballet dancer. Um, I mean, he has had... got some moves. But he was a dancer, isn't he? Wasn't mm. he? That's what. Uh, but Van he was Damme also was. A, a kickboxing champion as well. Van Damme? Yeah. Mm. Okay. I thought ballet was his, I thought dance was his first thing and he just knew how to move his body. Well, it definitely wasn't acting. No. Well, I, I don't know. I, we're getting off topic, but I think old uh, Jean Claude Van Damme's actually done some pretty reasonable work in the last sort of, five years. Uh, Claude, I have, I JVD film. I haven't seen the, that, that one, the JCVD. Jean, Jean Villan in. Uh, oh, well, of course, he amazingly named Jean Villan in Expendables, Expendables too. Yeah. Uh, that's one on Netflix. Have you done that one yet? Uh, no, we don't choose the films. <laughs> we don't choose the films. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time if you come on, you can choose the Expendables. Or not. Yeah. Um, ben, who are you? Uh, I'm Ben. I hold the account um, Top Film Tip on Twitter, where every day in the morning and the evenings, I send out little snappy synopses and posters for the best films on TV each day, not the rubbish ones, because who cares about those? Um, so for instance, today's uh, film Gattaca, uh, the tip would be heart-wrenching, high-concept, stylish sci-fi as genetically substandard dreamer breaks class restrictions to forge his own cosmic fate. Gattaca. Very nice. Nice. Thank you. George, you chose the film. Can you tell us uh, why you chose it and a two-minute synopsis? Okay. Um, well, uh, I'm a big sci-fi fan, and um, we've done quite a few uh, sci-fi films on on our uh, podcast. But so as a, so uh, what, what would you class as a sci-fi? Because one an early podcast we recorded uh, for a film I can't remember the name of, um, Simon, who brought the film to the table, said the sci-fi, a lot of people think, would class Star Wars as sci-fi. Uh, and even Back to the Future, yeah, people class as sci-fi, but... He was talking more about... Are you like, thinking ex- of Sharknado 3? Yeah. But he, no, that... he no, he was the uh, advantageous. Oh, yes. Well, uh, yes, Star Wars is a funny one because people will say it's sort of it's space opera, it's it's fantasy. Um, I would I would categorise it as, as a sci-fi film, but it's that's a great thing about sci-fi. There's lots of different little micro-genres. Um, I mean, I would class, um, I would say we've covered sci-fi films in our podcast like Terminator 2, mm-hmm. Starship Troopers, uh, and Jurassic Park. I mean, you could say Jurassic Park is a, a thriller, an action film, but it has a, it has a key sci-fi. part of science behind it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it. There's, there's a lot of diverse sci-fi films out there, and it's just more about the, the ideas behind it. And that's what... Um, that's the reason why I, I picked this film. I say I've been a big fan of sci-fi. I've read a lot of novels. My dad got me into like Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke when I was in my teens. Um, so the I really Grandmasters. Liked... Hmm? The Grandmasters. The Grandmasters, <laughs> yeah, indeed. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, and so I, I, I like, I mean, I, I suppose that it, it is, a, there is a kind of micro-genre known as smart sci-fi. So, um, you know, uh, films like Arrival or philosophical sci-fi, Blade mm. Runner, things like that. And I would say that's where Gattaca falls into that category that it kind of sort of opened my eyes when I first saw it in my sort of, I must have been around 14, 15. And it's the fact that sci-fi didn't have to be special effects and big budget. It was more about the ideas presented. Yeah. The concept. The concept. Yeah, because I, I don't. I would class Star Wars as a sci-fi. It's a science fantasy, isn't it? It's, I don't think it's because it's just. There's, got, no, there's it's, no. I suppose there's, there's no, no science. There's no science in yeah. there. It's just like 
space light beams yeah i'd space, space, space say space fa- space fantasy it's, yeah. it's got all the aesthetics of the sci-fi without any of the science um, yeah, and it's wonderful for it there's no explanation of science so tell us about gattaca so um i've i've tried to put this in a neat summary and it's it's taken some time the to clock build is up. ticking the clock is ticking so set in a near future where genetic selection means all inherent diseases and genetic flaws can be removed at a price society has changed accordingly you say before before inception before they're born. Yes, yes, sorry. Uh, uh, yes, before birth. Um, so society is, is changed accordingly, so the best job's going to the genetically superior, um, with DNA checks being common uh, standard procedure. Um, so the story focuses on Vincent, who's a natural-born, uh, also known as an invalid, um, or invalid, I should say, uh, who dreams of travelling into space on one of the Gattaca Corporation's rockets, but will never be allowed to due to an inherent heart condition. Uh, his current, so um, the the closest he can get to Gattaca is working there as a cleaner. So he decides to buy another man's identity, that of Jerome, who is a, a played by Jude Law, who is an Olympic swimmer who has since been paralysed in an accident. So using Jerome's DNA, he manages to get into Gattaca, uh, pass the DNA scanners, and onto their space program. However, his plans are put in jeopardy when a week before his launch, uh, somebody is murdered at the Gattaca Corporation and Vincent's invalid DNA is found at the scene, making him the prime suspect. Nice. Yep, good synopsis. Um, Ben, what are your thoughts? I love this film. I love this film. You are... Do you have a PhD? I do. You do have a PhD. I have engineering DNA in me. Um, Yeah, so I, I I knew this was a film for Dr. Ben... Ben Dad's right here. Um, uh, what? Go on. Yeah, no, uh, I, I remember uh, getting this one on import. Uh, I had like a, a cracked uh, DVD player at university that I spent a fortune on with my student loan, obviously, uh, to, to be able to watch. It's a cracked DVD. The, a time before streaming, yeah. yes, you could unlock before. American DVDs. That's all. Yeah, and you could get them before listeners. they were released in the cinema in the UK. And I'm bought this for some extortionate amount of money and i remember um it it blew me away and just uh, as you as you mentioned there george it was, it was refreshing to have a science fiction film that wasn't just explosions and action sequences mm-hmm. that was um intelligent and um and it's it's an interesting parallel to blade runner in that um blade runner is kind of dirty and dark and this is all like clean you've got like the the Bauhaus concrete architecture and the hugo boss suits and everyone's so like clean and precise and sharp um and then it's got a real aesthetic to it um and then on top of that you you know you have a really good hard sci-fi concept in there the the gattaca corporation is obviously uh taken from the four base pairs of dna guanidine obviously yeah adenine thymine and cytosine when i um when i was watching again for the second time i was like oh yeah at cg damn it yeah that's where they've got them from um, but do you not think they're better words that could have come up with those four t- those four letters i i like this i it, it fits it's got like a, a synesthetic feel to to the word it, it it feels kind of scientific but kind of forward thinking and um yeah i, I like the name uh you see phd he knows he knows what the g8 and c and t man guanine is a g isn't it um guanine adenine thymine and cytosine helen what are your thoughts i i love this film as well it's great um it's also interesting, voted possibly the most accurate science fiction film by NASA. So they Ooh, thought it was wow. a, c- a conceivable concept. Um, Is that because they more than 2001 A Space Odyssey. They, they closed Apparently, NASA according... to let the, the astronaut, the, uh, the crew and the, um, the NASA science, uh, 
What's, they, what's the guys, the, the Capcom people, just go out and they literally closed NASA to let them go and see the premiere of um, 2001. Oh, so okay. the fact that they rate this so highly, Ellen, is, um, is quite something. According to IMDb, anyway. Um, I really, really, really like this film. Um, it's got this fantastic timeless quality about it because, you know, it doesn't rely on special effects and, um, you know, its concepts are so interesting and so conceivable. Tesla. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's got an amazing cast. I mean, Jude Law is fantastic in this. Kind of forgotten how great he is in this. And Ethan Hawke is brilliant as playing the guy who's kind of got himself into this situation a little bit by accident mm. and a little bit by sheer luck. And that really does come through. Um, and Alan Arkin's in it as well. And Uma Thurman is so great in it. And uh, our favourite... Elias Cotius with hair. He's got hair again. Yeah, one one of our favourites. Um, yeah, Ernest Bornine, Dean Norris from um, from Breaking Bad. Yeah, Uh, Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's got a cracking cast, and that was one of the first things I haven't. I mean, this is one of my uh, favourite films, but bizarrely, I haven't. I don't watch it that regularly, and when watching it again for this, I was like. Oh, he's in it. Oh, yeah, I forgot he's in it. And mm. I was like, Ernest Borgnine's in it. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on this. This film is 21 years old. Is it? And it doesn't look like it's aged a day. The, the only thing is that eight, uh, ages it is the very the CRT sparse, TVs. No, no, the, the, the very sparse CGI they use of the rocket ship taking off, which I think they reuse about three or four times throughout mm. the film. That's the only thing that dates it. Everything else this is a one the, shot. Yeah. But, but coming back to this film after near enough. I don't know two two decades or so of, of having not watched it. The thing that just just blew me away was the score. The Michael Nyman score is just full of like sorrow and hope, and it's just absolutely heart wrenching. And just uh, it, it, it brought back so many memories and um, incredibly powerful. I can't. I think the film would be entirely different with a different score. Definitely, I've I've, I've put that down in my notes, saying the the score definitely elevates it to a, another level. I mean, it's. It's one of my favourite film scores. It's as you say, it's really powerful. It's really mm. moving. It's and it's very iconic. I mean, is it Ma- Michael Nyman? Who's right. uh, mm. I think the, the only other film I can think of he did was uh, the Piano. Obviously, that's is he quite still famous. alive, Michael Nyman? I think did he pass away? Really? Uh, I'm not not entirely sure, but I I, I don't know the uh, outside the piano what other scores he's done. But this is such a you know a favourite score of mine. I think I'm I I think like yourselves. I watched it. I don't. I definitely didn't watch it in the cinema. I remember the story coming out and thinking that sounds like a really cool concept. Um, I think potentially for me, it's maybe minute diminishing returns on this is my second viewing um, and maybe alluding to the repeat viewing score. I think it's good to watch it with kind of breaks in between because there's so many things I forgot how it played out and how, how things happened um, for ages. I seem to remember Jude Law being his brother. Which is <laughs> clearly not the thing. Um, but one thing that really struck me, that I had forgotten was um, I can't remember Ethan Hawke's character's name, but just his tenacity um, to be better than he was allotted. And you know, he's, he was well. There was a, there was a beautiful little caveat in the scientific premise of the film that you uh, it's, it's it's an interesting scene that he's born and he has a blood test, and within a few seconds they're reading out his list of probable you know life probabilities. You know, ninety nine percent chance of heart heart condition life expectancy so 30.2 30. 30. Yeah. years or whatever and th- that little room in there for for chance that those stats might be wrong yeah that he might be the one and it and um then the other side of that is the burden of perfection the people who 
I have won that genot- genetic fixed lottery who um, are, you know, incredible swimmers and then have a, a career ending industry or a, a super intelligent, but maybe uh, someone else uh, doesn't want them in the role. And there's this burden of perfection that's, that's interesting as well. So it's not just the people who are the underclass, but the people who are the, the chosen, the, the valids also um, have their burden to bear. Well, that's what I, I picked up on watching it this this time around. Is that they're even yeah the perfected people. There's there's certain flaws. So I was trying to get my head around Uma Thurman's character that she works at Gattaca, but she she has a heart condition, so she's been sort of allowed there. But then there's uh, the the DNA tester, the amazing uh, Xander Berkeley, who pops up in loads of films. Or Barkley, he's the guy from uh, he's the stepdad from Terminator Two mm. that gets the uh, the spike. Um, but yeah, he's brilliant. And for once, he's not playing a bad guy. But it's he's, nice to see him in a good man role. Yeah, 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 it was really refreshing. And he talks about his son, that his son is, like, and I think he even says, oh, he's not all, what all they promised. A, li- a little side note on this, a really interesting point on how, how affecting this film is and how much um, impact it makes. You, 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 rem- you were saying you misremembered something mm. uh, earlier on. There was a whole twist at the end that I'd entirely forgotten. I was talking to a friend of mine about this film and she said to me, the thing she always remembered most of all is the little disabled boy at the end of the film looking at Ethan Hawke like really um, admirably. And then you get to the end of the film and that wasn't there. But it was mentioned, it was yes. mentioned in the script that he had this little boy yeah. who he talks to um, about this guy who he secretly knows is is borrowing a ladder as it's put to to sneak around the genetic uh, it controls and um, and I think it's a real testament to how powerful that film is that one little line of dialogue could you know cause my friend to completely imagine a scene that that visually didn't occur. I think the yeah I like Xander Barkley's character a lot and I think that kind of gives hope in this kind of otherwise bleak in a way future isn't it because if everyone's destined to be perfect it's still it's, it's very elitist it's very classist and he's seen someone that's booking against the the trend and he's like yeah come on son i'm gonna give you every every kind of help i can get rooting for the underdog yeah rooting for the underdog completely and that 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 one line at the end said you know people people right-handed people don't don't hold the left hand when they're peeing it's just like shit all these years i've been like trying to trying to go and i've been going on the radar but the simplest thing can trip you up every single time. It just takes someone who's on your side to it, do that. Well, we're, we're jumping right. We are, when we are focusing well, we jump, on, we, on jump, the, we jump around. It's yeah, fine. but um, but there, there's that again. Like um, there's that lovely bit of uh, dialogue that I don't think I I noticed uh, on previous viewings where he says to him, "You don't want to miss your fight, Vincent," and he calls him by his real name. Oh, okay. And I I just that just completely slipped me by. Um, I just thought it was, again, it's it's. Um, the dialogue in this is really good. There's sometimes where it could be a bit hokey, but as you say, the quality of the cast, they really sort of do deliver. And um, you were saying, Helen, like about Jude Law, it's, you know, it reminds you how good an actor he can be. And I think Jude Law does get a bit of stick a lot of the time, um, but he picks some interesting sci-fi projects. If you look over the years, like Existence, you know, David Cronenberg, um, AI was with Spielberg. Contagion, was he in that? Yeah, he was I in that with, with weird though. teeth. Yeah, yeah. he well, chose the teeth. One one thing I noticed uh, in here is um, there were there was a little bit of a parallel to um, talented Mrs., Mr. Ripley. Yeah, yeah he's that, having yeah. his yeah. identity yeah. claimed like, by someone else. That's and a fair point. Um, obviously in, in this film, it's um, he's 
he's giving his identity to some to someone else, but in Talented Mr. Ripley, which I believe you did on a yeah, podcast. You yeah. can listen to um, us talk about that. He um, he has his identity stolen by Matt Damon, which brings us around to the um, obligatory uh, Marvel sideline uh, little segue. Um, that, did you know that Matt Damon was in Deadpool 2? No, I did not. Um, so there's a scene in Deadpool 2 where there's two hillbillies having a little chat when Cable turns up, and one of them's Alan Tiddock, and the other one, uh, the he's unrecognizable, but he's credited with the name of his character in The Talented Mr. Ripley. It turns out it was Matt oh, Damon. Okay. So there we go, from uh, Gattaca to Deadpool 2. Got to get the Marvel in there somewhere. <laughs> I'll look out for that uh, next time I watch Deadpool 2. So, Uma Thurman's character, I still, I feel that she doesn't She's a bit ha- underwritten. Yeah. She's, yeah. It's probably the only thing that is a little bit disappointing on the rewatch. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's great in it, and just a reminder of how great she is as well, and a real delight to see on the screen, but she is a little bit, just there for a love interest which yeah. is a bit I of a shame she was underserved she, yeah. she was she was there to serve a function for the other two characters rather than having a, a, a kind of deeper role for herself and, and the whole romance felt undercooked as well it's like she was a threat to him and then all of a sudden it's like oh, but actually you're you're quite dreamy i, I will <laughs> yeah. do anything you say so i didn't i didn't get it here's my hair test it if you want to mike come on kind of i think if they'd just been like really cool friends yeah i would have been i would have bought that more than although but they, they had that set up, didn't they? There's a scene where the, the woman had kissed a guy she was interested in and she goes to a place where they can like check the DNA yeah. of the, the saliva from the kiss to see if he's going to be a good match. So but that's when we saw Uma Thurman had got a hair, hair yes. strand of hair and she'd gone to that same place. That's where we see the... Taking it to the shady testers, the, yeah. sort of the hole in the wall. That's a nice little scene. Um, yeah, I felt she just... Yeah, it was a bit of a shame her. because she can... I mean, she really kind of lights up the film with her presence and her perfect face. Where were where were the three, three main characters um, in their trajectory at the time? Because when you said it's 21 years old, that kind of made me almost like sick um, how old it is. Well, this is pre-talented Mr. Ripley for, for, for Jude. Jude. Um, Post was Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Was Pulp Fiction 96? 95. 95, 94, yeah. 94, so. 94 yeah. made, yeah. came out. So it's post for Uma. And Ethan Hawke would be... Um, post, post explorers. <laughs> it's definitely post explorers. Post before sun. Before sunrise as well. And post um, but dead post society. Yeah. Uh, just before training day, I think that was ninety eight. Yeah, but definitely. Ethan Hawke again. I really like Ethan Hawke. He really mm. uh, he picks really interesting projects. He makes he makes quite a physical transformation in this film. He, there's, you you have him as the Vincent version of himself. He's all like pasty and skinny, and then you you've got him like doing those. Batman sit-ups with a great big textbook and and he like gets his and he's got the picture of um Jerome and he he you know he's he's doing his hair the right way and shaving and scrubbing himself and and it, it's quite you know it, it's quite impressive well the, the other flaw that you know we talked about the the romance being a bit undeveloped but the other thing that they never question is that um Jerome goes from Jude Law's British accent just to American <laughs> nobody questions that but there is a line in in the film uh, that says blood has no nationality. They're not obsessed, I suppose, with with uh, race or anything like that. It's all mm. about your genes now. Um, can we talk about the the issue of the disabled character in nope. the film? Yes, of course. Um, I well, I, not not Jude Law. Yes, Jude Law. Okay. So I, I found it interesting that there's a you know you, you, one of the key characters is disabled in the film, and um, I know there's a bit of a there's a bit of an issue in in cinema where disabled characters either are kind of mad, bad, or sad. And um, he certainly falls into at least two of those categories. 
Um, and then there's this, uh, we're doing spoilers, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, there's this, the ending, Jude Law's ending, brutal. Uh, t- brutal. Like, I completely forgot about that. And now that's the one bit that I can't really quite get my head around. I can't quite really sit well why he would kill himself at the end of the film. And I, all I could think about is, you know, I was thinking like, why wouldn't he not just be a Paralympian? Like he's still got what he's got. And I guess like in the society that is set up, like you are, you You've know, got no chance. Well, well, there's the, there's, the thro- only... there's the throwaway line that he, he actually paralyzed himself or he tried to kill himself. He threw himself in front of the car because he wasn't the best. And he was, he thought because he was, he got the second, he got, he got the got silver, silver medal. medal. Yeah. yeah. And he, he said it was, you know, because of his genes, he should have been the best. So he's, constantly sort of was always wanting to i know it's it's a it's a brutal ending i mean putting yourself in incinerator but he's sacrificed himself for um for vincent um you know he's he's obviously gone to that that those lengths to make sure that he can continue i i don't know i guess it was a bit it was bittersweet perhaps but i kind of felt like through the film that he was becoming better he was he was coming to terms and that that it was it started out being a professional relationship but by you know between the two men but by the end it they they got something from each other yeah and i was expecting him to kind of kind of like come around and got over his funk and 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 just turned his life around and that all that good influence from ethan hawke's character would have given given him a different mindset you know move from that that carol the wick fixed mindset to a growth mindset and he, he could have developed somehow and then in the end, it's like he learned nothing. Well, Did no, he gives. He basically he he kills himself so that Vincent can be Jerome, so that he is the only Jerome. I see. Okay, yeah. that's, that's what clicked. I got from yeah, it. So I he basically he made his you you know you've earned me, you've become me, you've become a better person than I ever a was, a better Jerome so, than yeah. I ever would have been. Um, oh wow, okay. That's, that's thank what you, I, Helen. That's that what I got from it. Now. Yeah, and that's why it's so sad. But it's it's well, also it. he, he really does, uplifting yeah, he as well. Himself because otherwise he's going to be he's he's going to be a recluse with with uh, Vincent because he's already away. given mm. him yeah. Jerome. We always have some like images that if you if you're not really sure about this film and you've ever seen a poster for it, then I don't know. I think the people who designed the posters for this film need to be like crippled or something or hobbled or or they need their fingers broken because honestly the film posters do not do this film any kind of justice they well, had the, no idea how the, to sell it which oh, i think is, is why I have, yeah I that's the one i had um, but there's one on uh for the wikipedia page it's terrifying if you go on that it's awful it doesn't even look like um, it looks like a horror film they've stretched his face uh, the uh, and and it's a real shame because the art design. Uh, oh, there the we can we just pause film? there. There's a great That's picture. I just wanted to point to the left of uh, you've got the helical uh, staircase in the flat, which oh, I always enjoyed. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, but well, the uh, yeah, you look at the art design in this film, and it's, it's beautiful. absolutely gorgeous. And you can't. How did they fail to do the 1950s feel? You've got like the you know the, the new architecture. clean architecture and stuff and uh, i don't know how they managed to um, not come produce up with one like single film three poster. faces on a poster looking bored <laughs> there's one where there's kind of like a green like that ectoplasm like, behind yeah. them it looks like they're in the kind of matrix funk it's like species well, it, it looking at these it doesn't surprise me that this film was actually a bit of a, a flop at the box yeah, office they didn't know how to market no. it unfortunately uh but obviously it has you know uh uh, gained you know quite a cult following i should say um michael nyman is not dead by the he's way. not no, no. Oh, well he could be but we hope not <laughs> apologies to michael nyman yeah i sorry I, michael 
Um, what do we know of Andrew Nichol, the director? So he, well, this is his uh, probably his best known film that he's directed. Mm. But the the other film that he's probably best known for is he's the writer and producer of the Truman Show, mm. which was made a year later. So he did he did Gattaca first, um, but he's also done. Um, he did uh, Lord of War with Nick, Nick Cage, yeah. um, which I've seen. I, it was, I mean, I you, and I were talk, you and I were talking about this. He's, unfortunately, I think he started high with Gattaca and then he's had some interesting ideas that just haven't really paid out very well. So there was uh, In Time, which is, is almost like a spiritual sequel to, well, this, to yeah, this. I, I, this felt, I felt that was really contrived and it just didn't... It did like The, the premise in Gattaca was so tight. Yeah. Um, that it all held together and in time they had an interesting idea about like sharing time with other people to live long but there was no how does that even work no but then yeah i i didn't know is it he did in time and that's a film i can bring up time and time again about um something i think it's got an interesting premise but just literally jumps off the cliff like far too early into it and probably would have been if Charlie Brooker had come up with that concept it would be a great episode of Black Mirror yeah yeah. but the way it went on for too long um, so it's a shame I did um, the Terminal as well uh, as a writer the but- the Good Kill was actually I, I really enjoyed that's another Ethan Hawke return. it's about drones isn't it uh, drone, yeah drone pilot and then Anon was I think was straight for Sky TV. Yeah, so it, again, that sounds like an. In, it's a terrible title, but it sounds like an interesting concept. It's all about it, privacy. You know, the fact yeah. that it, it, every, there's no privacy it, in the it, world anymore. It, it, it's interesting watching Gattaca. I think I watched it on a, a few weeks ago, and um, just by chance, not I didn't even realize it was him. And um, it, it's got a very clean look, like the suits and the architecture and everything else. Um, and it's really boring and <laughs> very dull. And in uh, uh, you know, uh, it, no real likable characters, and and I, I did not get on with that film nearly as well as Gattaca. So I feel it's yeah. I say it's a shame because you know, obviously, um, got, you know, I think we're all agreed that this is a great film. It's very well written. It's very well. Oh, we'll see when we get to the scores, there, George. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, so I'm jumping, jumping ahead. ahead. Jumping yeah. ahead. But yeah, I mean, as I say, we've already talked about the. I just love the look of this film. The has the the, the greenish hue to it. The the yeah the that sort of retro future feel mm-hmm. um the you know using the existing architecture and old vehicles but then putting a futuristic sound over sort of 1960s cars and some green lights um yeah i, I just uh, i think there's a lot of it's a very stylish film as well and just before we we head to the scores we just need to do a slight correction um gatica came after before sunrise if that makes sense uh, as i've said it yeah, we said that. Did we? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. He'd already I, made that and then he made this. He made that and then made this. Okay. And also um, Reality Bites. So he wasn't, he was still pre, he was always, I think he's always consistent in one actor who I really enjoy seeing in films above. He's always been a, an, an indie star though, really. Yeah. Yeah. Even in his bigger kind of films, he's, you, you he's always sort of been of an indie a, star. A side role, doesn't he? Not afraid of committing, you think of a boyhood. And it was, it was, this was the film where mm. him him and Uma Thurman got together. Oh, did they? So yep. whilst there was little romance on screen, yeah. off screen there was. Sadly not together now, but yeah, this is when they met. It's the kind of thing I, knowledge I never, kind of, never sticks in my head. Um, you, you mentioned uh, Dean Norris pops up, uh, Hank from Breaking Bad. I was actually sort of amused to see him because it's a blink and you miss it role. He's literally in it for like 30 seconds, but... He's playing one of the the Hoovers, the law enforcement guys, and um, I had to look this up because I was like, "How many times has Dean Norris played some sort of cop?" And apparently, it's thirty-seven times. Wow! Yeah, he's got that face, hasn't he? Yeah, 
Yeah, so when he came on Breaking Bad, I was like, I know that guy from somewhere. And I don't know where. Everywhere. From everywhere. Yeah, exactly. He, he's even in Gremlins 2 at yeah. the end as one of the SWAT team. Like, in a, again, Blink, you miss it. He's in Terminator 2. Like, yes. That's it. I was thinking it, SWAT it, team. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's SWAT him, team. him and Mike, the uh, guy who plays Mike Herman, Trout, I'm, he's, he's in so yes. many things as well. Yeah, he's in loads of stuff. My favorite, um, my favorite cameo I saw of him was in Airplane. Yes, he's one of the uh, guys in the tower. Isn't yeah, he's he? one of the guys in the tower and airplane. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So I was literally watched just watched that the other day, like uh, uh, just a clip on YouTube, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> have, you, have you seen the Zero Hour uh, clip on YouTube? The, the of, original? No. Yeah. So obviously, um, airplane was um, take about sixty, seventy percent of the script was, was verbatim from uh, this film Zero Hour, which was made 20 years earlier, a disaster movie. And you watch the old black and white original script being played deadpan. And it's like, you know, um, hey, what did you have for, what do you have for your supper? And the captain's like, I had fish. And it's like, dun, dun, dun. And, and it's like played straight. It's amazing. So I recommend everyone uh, go on YouTube and look up Zero Hour. Absolutely will do. Um, time for the scores. Let's go to the scores. So these are... Uh unique flex washer scores they're all out of five and if you feel the need to go to as many decimal places as you would like then you are allowed ben as a scientist you like you don't mind a decimal place do you? you're not scared of I, I feel they need to mean something and um and i think when you're getting down to three decimal places kobe i'm, I'm not really sure what what's going on um truth um <laughs> george you brought gaskets to the table can you start us off with your recommendability score um well even though it's one of my my favorite sort of sci-fi films i'm going i'm going to go for 4.5 because i think um it's yeah it's a great film it's really unique great score great cast um but i think there's some people that just aren't a fan of the sort of more slower sci-fi type stuff so you're considering other people's uh yes predispositions it's very considerate of you yeah oh thank you um ben uh, yeah, I think I'd follow. I'd, I'd f- I'm going to go for, uh, but si- for similar reasons. I, I think for anyone who likes science fiction, smart um, sci-fi, smart sci-fi uh, this you know this is absolutely for them. But there are a lot of people who I think, as we've discussed in the past, uh, maybe just turn up to the cinema once every year and go, uh, I fancy that guy. Um, I'll watch that film, and yeah. you know the, the casual film goer may find this film a little kind of slow and ponderous. Uh, so you're 4.5. I'm going to go with a, uh, a 4. 4. Helen? I'm also going to go for a 4.5. I do really, really like this film. And I had seen it before, but a long, long time ago. So Are we all like decades in between viewings? Yeah. A bit, it's, yeah it's, well, I didn't have it on DVD or anything. And I think I must have caught it like on BBC Two at like 11 o'clock at night or something. Mm. And I didn't realise that it was on Netflix. So thanks for bringing it to um, Thank you. our attention. Um, I do. I just really like it. And watching it again, I still, there's just so many wonderful things about it. And it's really interesting and thought provoking and really well acting. But the only thing that does let it down is Uma Thurman's character is just not not as great as probably it could have been mm. had she not just been the love interest. So that's where it loses its... She could have had more to like, Yeah. I'm gonna say, in ter- yeah, in terms of recommend recommendability, maybe yeah, Suspense. four point four. Oh, four point wow. four. To the tenth. So, what would make that one tenth of a distance? Difference? I just think more than you guys. I think the sci-fi takes people out of the game. Yeah. That's the that's the thing. 
but I didn't want to take it more. more it's than a that. funny one. If you think about it, like uh, often the big bombastic science fiction is what puts the non-science fiction people off a science fiction film, and then you get a film that's like high concept, low uh, bombast, and then sci- non-sci-fi people still don't like it. It's like, what do you want, non-sci-fi people? Monsters. But then there's some monsters in sci-fi. Yeah. Have you seen monsters? Yeah, that's great. Monsters well, that, is a great that's, film. Again, a sort of a very weird. So like, yeah, it's a sci-fi film, but the monsters are hardly in it. It's it's yeah. more of a relationship drama. Um, repeat viewing score. We've only each of us has spent. It's been at least ten years between each viewing for us, which is quite Maybe interesting. Even longer. Yeah, I I definitely had this on DVD, and then I rec- I recommended it to somebody. I lent my uh, copy of it, and it's been so long, I don't even know who I lent it to. Cause it's, that's the I never got the thing it back. They liked it so much, they uh, never gave yeah, it back. I reckon they haven't even seen it. I'm going to check. How many how many DVDs and books do you think you've just not re- been returned back to you? Never, because I always made sure they give them me backups. They're not borrowing anything else. I take a photo of the person with the thing I'm lending them. <laughs> That's a brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, but so this twenty years ago, this would have been when he had film cameras. So you were willing to waste a Kodak snap. Oh, this is more more of a modern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a post mobile phone. Maybe yeah, just have a ledger going. Right. Name. Actually, a joke. I do think I actually had a ledger oh, in my DVD show. Good lord. Let's go past yeah. that question. Uh, repeat viewing score, George. Uh, so yeah, I've uh, well, as we've we've all agreed, it. You know, I, I say it's a favourite of mine, but I don't watch it repeatedly. So uh, I've gone for three. Ben. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd go for a, a three point five. It's a film that I'm so pleased. Thank you very much, George. I'm so pleased I came back to watch this film after so many years, and I can see myself coming back to and, and just really just drinking it in and and savouring it in the future. But because it's so kind of uh, character-based and in- intricate, like if you've seen it, you remember all the details, the next time you see it, you're only you're not going to get the emotional punch of it, I think. Yeah, so yeah, um, I would definitely come back to watch this in the future, but not regularly. 3.5. That's right. Helen? Yeah, I think I'm going to go about the same 3.5. I think uh, the right amount of time had lapsed between watches. Um, I mean, if someone said oh you need to watch it tomorrow i would probably sit through and watch it and not feel too peeved but i'm not gonna rush to see it again for a few years um again i'm not gonna see it for a few years but i will watch it definitely so i'm gonna load you guys with two and a half small screen score this is an interesting one for me Mm. yeah yeah so um obviously this film we've talked about you know it has um, one of its strengths at science fiction that doesn't have to rely on special effects and um, focus on characters. So therefore, it doesn't you know you're not you don't need to see it on a big screen to appreciate the amazing visuals. But that said, it's you know I say it's got some great cinematography, um, but there's also a lot of uh, it's quite a dark film, like you know sort of aesthetically, and watching it on the move uh, on like say if you're watching it on your iPad or a laptop on the train mm. uh, it, in the middle of the day it's probably going to be quite hard to pick out so that's something I've sort of randomly because I watch a lot of uh, films when I'm commuting um, so I have a, a big commute um, you're, you're the kind of person that Helen hates why? you watch it on an iPad so that's um, fine I, I, not oh, on no, your I, phone I would never watch something on my phone there we go he's alright I'm, I'm with George on this I, I do a lot of viewing on my computer. Um, but yeah, but yeah. not on your phone. You can't watch a no, film on, on your yeah. phone. Um, so yeah, as, as I say, as a result, I think you can watch it on a small screen, but I think you'll lose some of that detail. So uh, again, I've gone for a 3.5. Okay. Um, the DOP in this is someone who I've never heard the name of, but he's been on, he's got some chops behind him. 
uh, Slavomir Idziak, um, Black Hawk Down, uh, the Three Colors trilogy, uh, some fantastic. Yeah, they're watched, amazing. They are. Yeah, they're so good. They look, they look absolutely yeah, stunning. stunning. Harry Potter on there. Yeah, Harry Potter and Order of the Phoenix. I don't know which one it is. Um, but it's, it's kind of, it seems like a. It sounds Polish, and there's a lot of fantastic Polish uh, DPs around. So, yeah, maybe check out some more of his films and be more aware of him. I think. Yeah. Ben. Um, yeah, I, I never got to see this on a big screen. And has I, anyone, I has anyone that. here seen on? No, no I, I think uh, so. What I've been uh, would have been fourteen. I think this was a fifteen at the cinema, and there was there was too much other sort of stuff vying for my attention. Men in Black, <laughs> Jurassic Park, <laughs> The Lost World, Fifth Element. But you know, no, I uh, I th- definitely discovered this on VHS. Um, yeah, I would. I'd love to see this at the cinema. I'm going to keep an eye out for it. Um, it was. It reminded me of you saying that the scenes that, that some of the scenes are very dark. There's that one kind of organic, dirty scene. There's two where where they're out in the sea and uh, yes. he's he's swimming against his brother, and that's the it's, moment of epiphany he yeah. has, where he realizes he's he's just got to give it everything, even if it means he can't get back. And um, it, some of those scenes are just so beautiful, and some of the arch- some of the architecture is so beautiful that I you know I'd love to see that on a big screen. So I feel it has kind of it, it will do something. So I yeah, three point five for me, Helen. Um, I'm going to go for a four. Um, I think the the most important thing is having a good sound system for this because although um, it's really beautiful, I don't think it necessarily needs anything bigger than like a good size TV as long as you've got really good sound going for it. And also because it's, you say that the the rocket is kind of the big special effect and that kind of is like the slightly dodgy bit that might empathise it a little bit on the big screen now. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go for a four. And also because it's one of those films that you might have heard of but never got around to seeing because it just kind of disappeared or you missed it the first yeah. time around, the fact that it's on Netflix now for you to watch, you can go and discover it for yourselves. I'm going to say 3.8. I think I'd like to have seen this in the cinema. And if I had the time, Prince Charles came and knocking they sent me the mailing list and I was free that day I'd try and go and see it I think let's do it guys come on Prince Charles if you're listening put it on the schedule uh, we need to yeah, let's contact Prince Charles PCC and get them on here yeah, yeah. Um, in fact we did have some from Prince Charles contact we need to get, I'll get back in touch with them um, when, when you talk about that swimming scene they're, they're, I only remember one swimming scene happening in the film and that, there's more that, than one there's one at the start yeah. and there's one at the end no when, when I first oh, yeah. watched it oh, okay. and oh, coming right. back to it it's like there's there's a swimming thing happening that I'm waiting for and then when it happened near the start I was like oh right this is a bit odd um, I feel that we can avoid the twist at this point to any any listeners who may want to watch yeah, film we, we, haven't we have well it. covered the that's, film that's and left handed and he and let's, let's avoid the other one because yeah. I think we'll <laughs> leave that for the joy of the the respective but I do remember listeners. when I was watching the swimming scenes I was remember see i could see all the seaweed and kind of goop and stuff that. under there and i was like oh, that's not nice how's i done that no but just, <laughs> hey yeah that's not nice because yeah. I've, I've swum in the serpentine in the high park and that's a horrible thing Ugh. when it's when it's weather's like this all the seaweed just comes up and to be honest it's nastier than when it's just cold yeah, all um, the but i just remember thinking that's actually looks pretty well shot um i don't know what point is 3.8 engagement <laughs> score uh George, um, I've I've gone for uh, four. I think it's um, I say it's, it's got a there's a lot of detail in that script. Um, there's there's a lot going on in the story. It's you know um, it's a little bit film noir. It's a little bit murder mystery, um, mm. and there's a lot of uh, flashbacks and things like that. So there's a lot in there too. I think and if yeah, definitely if this was 
was on the telly, I would I would definitely start watching it because I say it's, I've, I've got a love love for this film, and especially if, if Michael Nyman's score was was playing quite loudly, that would just pull me in. Every I'm going to try and download it on Spotify now for the journey home. Well, actually, quite sort of uh, pretentious day when I went uh, years ago when I went travelling for like six months. It was one of the first tracks I put on when I was on the plane flying away from all my <laughs> friends and family, wow. sort of ma- making myself sad. Yeah, got the flight uh, out, Ben. I'm going for the all out five guys. Um, I, I mean, this near enough two hours. Uh, I think yeah, it's about one fifty. One fifty. Yeah. Um, yeah. I for a talky film with no big, you know, visual action sequences. Um, that's you know nearly two hours long. Uh, I didn't look at my phone once. I didn't feel the need. I was completely engrossed. The music, as you say, the score really uh, draws you right in. It just it kind of tugs at your heartstrings and then just rips them right out. When. Jude Law's pulling himself up the stairs. That's quite a tense that's scene. Great scene. Mm. That's great yeah. scene. And also the uh, the road crossing scene where he's yeah, yeah that's great. Out Never been so terrified of crossing me. a road. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It. It. it yeah. You know, personally, I imagine these are these are personal scores. Um, it, I was entirely engaged with this film. Um, I'm not going to go as high as that. Um, I'm going four point five. Um, I think it's a, it is a really slow film, so. I guess some people are probably going to be put off by that. Um, but, so, you know, second time round, I was probably as engaged in it as I was the first time round. So do you guys think if you watched it every year, that engagement would, would wane? Cause I'm, probably I'm, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, because I'm, yeah. I'm going for a high engagement score because I'm kind of thinking, I remember this differently. Oh, how does it get away with that? Oh, shit, what's good? Oh, okay. And it was like almost watching it for the first time again, but with some hindsight of yeah. you kind of know where it's going. Um, so I think, yeah. Based on not seeing it for two decades, essentially, I'm going to go for. I'm going to join you, Helen, at 4.5, I yeah. think. 3.91. Where did it lose some points? Oh, it was me on repeat viewing score. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's basically a four. See, Kobe, if you weren't so so taken with your tenths of a percent there, then uh, would have boosted I think we could have got, that, yeah. could have well, got that, those stats gonna, up. I'm not going to. No, I'm going to change now. No, not at all. Not, you, you can't change me. Um, but. Yeah, 3.92 is good. I think it's good. And like, I think a lot of people, we can also say that we just can't, we wouldn't recommend it to everyone. It's not back to the future. But shall what we, is? Shall yeah. we uh, see what the uh, world of Twitter thought yes. of it? So um, when we record, if you are following us on Twitter, you will see that we will put a tweet out and you will be able to spot it because we also have a nice little gift that'll go with it. And uh, we'll say we're reviewing Gattaca. And uh, sometimes we'll let you know who our guests are as well. Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts for an on-air shout-out. Give us your star review, a short review, and retweets. So we've had a couple of people reply. So, George, do you want to read the first one out and who it's from? Uh, so we have uh, Kenny's 00, who says, uh, five stars, uh, believable, scary, near-future sci-fi, interesting nature-nurture theme, one of the best original scores ever. I have to agree with that. Uh, ben, do you want to say the next one? Um, this one is from um, Amanda's Pick Show and Go, uh, at Amanda's Pick Show. And she has said, uh, love this movie. Love this movie. Great sci-fi and great performances. Five stars. Nice. Uh, Helen, do you want to say the next one? So the next one is Scheitgeist at Scheitgeist Pod. Hi, guys. Classic 90s noir-fused sci-fi 
which manages to avoid cornball pitfalls with satisfying writing and magnetic performances. And they've done five little rockets there and they've got a little Jude Law gift there as well. Yes, it's a nice touch, the five rockets. Yeah, yeah. And, and the gift. I think that was the same uh, animation they used for the film. <laughs> <laughs> Pixel art. Um, ben, do you want to take, sorry, George, do you want to take the last one? Uh, yeah, so this is from uh, Sarah May Tucson. Uh, who also said, friend, ex, ex of this pod. Yep, hi oh. there. Hello, Sarah. Um, so uh, she says 4.5, Jude Law at his petulant best. Uh, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman smoking up the screen with their repressed chemistry. Uh, wonderful futuristic noir. Plus, it's great to see the underdog triumph. I totally so agree with the last two sentences, but not the romance. Yeah, not the romance mm-hmm. side of things. Well, that's because they were ro- getting the romance on in real life, maybe. Oh, okay. And she um, felt it uh, smoking, smoking, smoking up off the screen. But yeah. I think she's uh, she's nailed it with uh, Jude Law as petulant best because yeah. um, the little gift there of uh, how dare you question me. Mm. He's um, great he, when he's, he's nasty. Fantastic. There's also a great line where he goes, we need to get drunk immediately. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's great. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming in. Um, can you tell us where we can find you online? Thanks for having us, guys. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Top Film Tip. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me as well. Um, so you'll find myself and my brother Charlie at Retro Ramble Blog. Uh, so we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and uh, all those podcast uh, serving sites. Fantastic. Great. Thanks uh, very much for coming on. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find us on iTunes. Do subscribe and leave us a nice review if you feel like it. You can find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and the website is FlixWatcher.tv. Thanks, as always, to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Brendan Russell for his awesome editing skills.